Good evening, Patriots. Today is Sunday, March 20th, the year 2022. I hope everybody had a blessed Sunday. It is. It was a great one on this end, I'll tell you, even though the world keeps turning around and getting a little crazier. Before we begin tonight, mypillow.com forward slash bards. That's your landing page, our landing page for Bards Nation on the MyPillow site. Your promo code there is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. Some amazing products that are really important to consider right now with all of the stress that's going on, and there's a lot. To make sure that you sleep well without having to take something. I think that's just a really crazy thing I came across the other day. It's not 100% verifiable, but it was like some demon-possessed chick that was talking about how sleep aids were at the entrance for the devil. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But anyway, go to mypillow.com forward slash bards, promo code bards, B-A-R-D-S. Great things on sale right now. You've got the Giza sheets, which I love, uh, ordering a couple other sets right now, 60% off. You've even got a Giza cotton pillow now, which is awesome. You've got the MyPillow Classic 1998. Starting at that price, you have my slippers, which are super comfy. And they too actually work out indoors too, whether you should or not. I don't know, but they're good. And that's, they're 50% off. Men's and women's sleepwear, 50% off. Take care of yourself is the bottom line. Make sure that you have what's needed to sleep well. And believe it or not, all of these products, if you don't know what, how good my pillow products are, check it out because you will not be disappointed. They are literally that good. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. And then you can also speak to a Patriot Pillow Counselor. And you can talk to them at 1-800-975-2939, 1-800-975-2939. So here's some crazy, and I, I'm trying to, I'm just kind of laughing at this a little bit as we're going along here. A startling new development. This is from uh, Zero Hedge. Criminal tourists target wealthy American neighborhoods. A startling new development reveals South American criminal tourists are on home invasion sprees targeting wealthy neighborhoods across the U.S. Just that, you're like, no, but wait, it gets better. South American thieves exploit the U.S. immigration system for travel as they target multi-million dollar homes in liberal controlled areas with relaxed criminal justice laws. <laughs> See, I had you on the edge there. You're like, oh no, oh no, more crime, more panic. But no, the true story, the real story is, the real story is that all those people that voted for crime, guess what? It's there for you. Enjoy how that works out. We also have some eh, little disturbing news, but what the heck, everything else is changing. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas was hospitalized with an infection. No idea. They're, he's being treated with intravenous antibiotics. They're going to probably going to probably mRNA him. That's going to be a new thing we're, we're going we're gonna to have to say. Like, did they mRNA you? Did they mRNA, mRNA you? That's it. I mean, it's like offing you. It's, just, it's as bad as that. And, of course, we have 
the latest edition of the psychiatry's, they call it the psychiatry's Bible. That's disgusting. Of the uh, psychiatry's journal has said that excessive grief is a mental disorder. <laughs> well, quit flipping the kids and chopping off their weenies. That'd be a good idea. And quit giving us Zelensky who plays a piano with his weenie. That'd be another good idea. I'll tell you, these people just never cease to amaze me. Never. It's unbelievable. But, you know, this, this is a pretty disturbing time for some people when they don't have, when they're not grounded in faith. And when they're not grounded in faith, what can we say? Well, here's a neat little piece for you. Check, check out this. This is a great question I hadn't considered until this. Okay, lately I've seen a lot of Teslas that are really dirty. And don't get me wrong, I know that you can't put an electric car in a car wash because car wash is wet and you can't get an electric car wet. So I never thought of how are people with Teslas washing their cars? Like are there car wipes or using just like Clorox wipes? Or Just curious. <laughs> I had never thought about that. I mean, I guess you can't take your Tesla to a car wash because you're going to get electrocuted. Wow. I don't even know what to say to that. I'm serious. There's so much of this going on. I mean, this is the world we live in. Like, buy an electric car, but don't take it to a car wash because you might get electrified. And, and the whole car is probably going to burn up in there anyway. You've seen these things burn up, right? And if they get hit with something, man, it's like instant detonation. There's nothing left of the vehicle. But I do like this little piece as a quick reminder. The most commonly repeated command in the entire Bible, it comes up well over 300 times, do not be afraid. You're going to feel it, but don't choose it, because fear is faith in the enemy, and our faith is in the Son of God. Yes, Jesus, we are so happy to have you here tonight. I'll tell you, people are just like worshiping the wrong things, and they still are worshiping fear. I'll tell you. And, of course, in other great news, U.S. Army officials begin dishonorably discharging soldiers who have, haven't haven't taken the vaccine. Look, if you find a soldier that has been dishonorably discharged because he did not take the injection, one, thank him for his service and tell him he's a patriot of this nation, him or her. Two, help them find a job because that's who you want to work for you right there. These are true patriots they've stood up to the most evil and they deserve to be well treated so you also have that um i mean i think there's a lot of chatter going around that we're winning and i i'm like okay i mean i don't disagree that we're revealing who they are no question about that it's just to be a little cautious as i've said so often because this is not just like some quick, and I really think people are thinking this, like it's all going to be over. We get it. We're going to reveal them and it's all going to be over. This is deep. You know, listen to this. This is from, this is from our favorite uh, traitor. Traitor. It's a traitor. He married to Michael. Listen to this one. Technological change, uh, uh, things like mass media, uh, things like the market are all subject to uh, our control, that we can make decisions for better or for worse and, uh, and, 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 and uh, continue to, 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 to move forward and, and progress. I, I agree with you up to a point. Uh -huh. And it's, it's, it's the us that can make those changes right. that, that is at issue. Right. And the, the issue is, does that us include all of us? And if so, 
what mechanisms for collective decision making will we use, or does that us include those of us who own the major uh, well, media and other corporate entities? You know, I, I think in the end it has to be, uh, it does have to be a, a, a broad us. It, it has to be democracy with a, with a, with a small D. Okay. Um, yeah, except that's not what he does. Sounds nice. We all we all miss him so much. Not, but you know they're just. By the way, there was a report today, and I'm not shocked about this at all. That Truth Social blocked a posting of a video that was proving that the Ukraine war was that the Ukrainian army was killing its own civilians. Somehow that just doesn't surprise me. It's just like everything else. If you're on the Apple App Store, which they are, you've already made a deal with the devil, just to be straight about that one. Ask Gab how that went, because they've been deplatformed by everybody. And that should tell you why I like Gab so much. I want you to hear this piece by Jordan Peterson. I, I really like him, and we're going to talk a lot about this, so take a listen. If you betray me, then I have to see you differently. And, you know, I've, if we've interacted a long time, I've built up a hell of a model of you. You know, it's taken a tremendous amount of effort to generate. And I may have used that model as a predicate for all sorts of other plans, which is what you do with an intimate relationship. And so then if you do something that indicates a true mismatch, it isn't only that I have to adjust my actions. God only knows what I'm going to have to retool. I may even have to retool my perceptions of myself. I'm a lot more gullible than I thought I was, for example. And God only knows what the implications of that are. If, you, if you're close to me and you could do this to me, is that my flaw? And if I'm, am I carrying that into other relationships? It's an absolute catastrophe. You see, this is really at the core of what I wanted to get to tonight. And it is this idea of the quick win, which we aren't going to have a quick win on any of this. We all hope that there's some sort of justice coming in terms of rounding up these dirtbags. And there's no question that whatever President Vladimir Putin did, he, in the whole scope of things, he threw the grenade in the middle of the Wheaties of the deep state. And that's causing tremendous amount of shakeups globally. But here's the, the overall problem and, and, and a number of levels here. First of all, we don't really know what the alternative plan is. This is what drives me crazy. This trust the plan thing just got a bunch of shoulder, soldiers getting dishonorably discharged because they won't take the injection. This trust the plan thing has left the society confused with how to react because we have no leadership. Trust the plan is not, a, is not anything but a mental head game. When you look at the fact that we have pedophiles running loose, you have this whole thing over here of, Criminals breaking into rich people's homes. I don't. I mean, I don't wish anybody to be robbed, but I'm, the fact of the matter is that we have a rise in crime. We've been having crime in my own town, and I spoke about this yesterday. I mean, when I went down to one of the local tool stores, it's a great tool store, and we're really fortunate to have a locally owned tool store of this magnitude in this town. And I walk in, and there's a sign on the door about shoplifting, and all the guys are now open carrying in the store. We had a long talk about it, and the crime rate is skyrocketing. By the way, that tool store is two blocks from the police department, and they're getting raked by, by crime. I mean, people are shoplifting left and right. Our society is starting to implode, and there's 
this idea that the police are going to solve everything has been a myth because they never were able to solve things. They're more reactive than proactive. And so this whole concept of trust the plan has left us all in a place in a lurch of like, what are we supposed to do? So from a faith point of view, we stand strong with God and we look to God for guidance and, and it's, it's there. But we also have the conflicting messages, not, not conflicting, but we have the duality of messages, is a better way to say it in, in, in Scripture, of flipping the tables and calling out the Pharisees and at the same time forgiveness. I, I saw this piece today, and it's interesting. I don't agree with it in, in, in its entirety because the whole principle of the sermon was we, if we don't forgive, then we're living in disobedience to God. Well, okay, let, let's not go there. Because the total aspect of forgiveness, the way the church is preaching it, is this whole place that we're supposed to be turning into some sort of spineless marshmallows. I don't even know if marshmallows have spines, but I guarantee when you leave church as one, you're not going to have one, and you're going to be a pure marshmallow, because the whole idea is acceptance and embracing. So we're supposed to forgive the guys that are robbing robbing people blind? That's essentially the whole philosophy that the left starts to play on in California. Oh, if you steal anything... If you steal less than $1,000, it's not a crime. These things are crimes. There is justice. There is judgment that has to come on that. And there has to be a societal framework in which it deals with that. You know, I love when people get on a pulpit and they talk about forgiveness. You must forgive. And I'm like, okay, so just how are you going to handle the forgiveness when if it was your son or daughter that took the injection that's now completely disabled? Are you just going to say, oh, Pfizer, you know, I'm sorry, I, I forgive you, I don't have any. No, I'd be enraged as a parent. Add another layer to that. Let's say that your child got the injection without your consent. How's that one? Because that's real. We have a real challenge right now in the way the society is framed because we're all framed around this kind of concept that we're supposed to accept everything. That's not true. And I'm sorry, it just it doesn't it doesn't line up, because if Christ accepted everything, he would not have flipped tables and he would not have challenged the Pharisees. And it's very easy. I saw another piece today. It was crazy. The guy's like, "Listen to this. Listen to this. We're in charge. We have won. But the Pharisees, they don't they don't exist in this time. I don't know about you, but there are no Pharisees. Christ conquered the Pharisees. It's like, okay, dude." I get that they may not go by the name of Pharisees, but we have the same type of characters running this world, and we have the same type of idiots listening to them and following a path towards a, quote, pathway to God, which was the whole concept of the money changers. That's not your true faith. And it's it gets to the core of one of the reasons that I get so incensed about the offering plate principle in the 501c3 because that whole thing is putting an intermediary, which is the government, between you and the offering plate and the offering to the church. That's at the core of the flipping of tables is you have a money changer taking and interceding between you, them, and their tithe. And of course, this is not going to be agreed upon by most churches because they're going to tell you that, oh, well, um, no, no, that's not true. You're actually giving it right to the church. No, you're not. You're giving it to the government under a 501c3 category. So where does this all link to Jordan Peterson's comment here about betrayal. It's all there. The magnitude of betrayal that we're all feeling is huge. And that loops back to what I was saying about how this is not going to be over anytime soon. We as people have a tremendous 
coming literally, and I mean this literally in these words, a literal coming to Jesus moment as a nation. I don't say that flippantly. I say it truthfully. Because we have lived so many layers of lies and we have not confronted the betrayal and the violation of trust, not only from the government, but the violation of trust which we have violated with God. We would not be where we are right now had we been holding ourselves true to accountability to Father. And we've talked at length in the last few shows about the children. It's huge. And then when we live in this world where we're wrapped around the me and we're not anchoring enough in God, we get swept away with the fear. We get swept away with the worship of fear. And then what happens? Then it's like, oh, man, I don't know if I can take this. And we end up with things like the headline we just read a minute ago, that excessive grief is now a mental disorder. No, excessive grief is trying to carry the world on your own and having idols that you've been worshiping and suddenly all of those idols are falling apart and your worship of life is falling apart and so you fall into this pit. Now, this thing I saw the other day and I was gonna, said I was going to comment about it. I'm, I'm not one that, I'm not a big one to be drawn to exorcisms and, I'm, and, and about concepts of possession and I'm not telling you it doesn't happen I'm just I'm not one that migrates to it but here's the point I'm going to make I listened to this piece and it was, it was very interesting supposedly somebody who had been possessed and there was a, this the conversation was supposed to be with a person doing the intercession and the demon okay I'm just going to leave it there but here's here's what I was listening to and why I there is, within many things, there's truth. You see, the comment was that demons got the access into, into this person, one of the people, there was two different cases, because they were taking diet pills. And the guy asked the question, he said, well, why would diet pills, is there something in the diet pills? And what the comment was is, no, this was supposed to be the demon that was inside this girl that said, she does not love herself and therefore we can enter because she's taking a pill rather than turning to God. I'll tell you what, I don't care whether that was real or not real. That comment was dead on because we end up in these places where we aren't turning to God for the greatest things we are because we're wrapped around a world, a material world, Madonna, material girl. It's all about this world of materialism. And these become our false idols in our worship, and it's, it's all around us. So when we feel the betrayal of government, and we're going to feel the betrayal of Pfizer, and we feel the betrayal of doctors, and we feel the betrayal of teachers, I, there's a question I'm always going to ask. Where in that list is our betrayal to God? Because the lack of trust, it's centered on our lack of trust in God that we put our heavy trust in these other institutions. They told us what they were going to do. They told us, literally, that this thing was not going to cure anything, and yet you needed to take it. I've read so many things about 
people saying that, you know, I was forced to take the injection. What does that mean? What does that mean? And, you know, you'll, there's a piece that came up today, this young man who has been paralyzed and he's been in a coma. And the comment in the headline was, or the comment in the article was, he was forced to take the injection. Did they tackle him and inject him? No. What they did is they gave him a choice. And where they ended up with was that he was forced to take it because he either had to take it or he would lose his job. That's not being forced. That's being given a difficult choice. And God has always told us that even in the difficult choice, he will find, he will provide ways that we can endure it, that we don't, we, he knows our limits and he is going to provide a way for us to avoid that choice or escape that. And it is so that we can endure it. But that's not what our worship is. That's not where our trust is. Our trust isn't in God. Our trust is in the, what? In the job, in the bank account, the fear that surrounds the loss of that. That's what it is. So what Jordan Peterson was getting at, which I really, I found really resonated, is that when we start to really face and confront betrayal and the loss of trust, when we really want to face that, we have to look at ourselves. That's what he was getting at. We have to look deep in ourselves. And now we have to reassess our entire structure, our entire network, our relationships to all things. And if we do it right and we anchor that pivot, we pivot ourselves over to Christ, I think everybody can agree that the world transforms. So now imagine that. I'm not saying that this is... Anyway, if it's through Christ, it's not a bad thing. But still, I want you to imagine the wave of change that occurs in a society where the majority of people finally put eyes on Christ and accept Christ in their heart and the walk that that is. Now, there is this whole look at your life. It's everybody does it. Of the decisions you've made, the people you've interacted with, the reasons that you are where you are. And obviously through the relationship in Christ, there is a renewal. But that doesn't mean you simply walk, you're able to just like one day on and one day off of the past. And that's this long part of transition that we have in this country that's coming. It's right now. It's happening. And there's going to be a lot of shock moments as we get there. We've been a very cushy, country. We've been, we've had a life that's been pretty easy. We don't understand abject poverty. At least the majority of people don't. Abject poverty exists probably in the worst places in the world is here because what's happened in this country when we get, when people fall into poverty is they lose their self-respect. And so they live in squalor. They collect junk I don't know how much anybody has traveled, but if you have traveled the world and when you see how our world is with homeless that push carts and carts around of stuff, because identity is through stuff here. I didn't see any of that anywhere in any of our travels, when I, when I, my travels, and I've traveled a lot, of seeing any other country where people hoard junk like this and move around. I've, it breaks my heart when I see it because... All that stuff that they're just clinging on to is 
what their old life was or what they would aspire their life to be in some fashion. Symbolism through material things. How many homeless people do we find that carry a Bible with them? You know, I'm just saying, okay? Do you know that if you're in Afghanistan, Iraq, Middle East, if, and there, let me tell you, there's some serious poverty over there. But this is what I found interesting, is they still pray five, time, five times a day. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, the homeless still pray five times a day. Those that have absolutely nothing, that they're begging for just a bite of food. In Afghanistan, when women are out, and if their husband is killed, say, by us or by the Taliban, they could end up quickly on the street, especially if they're a woman with children. They're no longer desirable in that society. A widow is not, does not give, isn't given desire, desirability for marriage. Their children are subject to being trafficked. That's a real. It is not uncommon in places to find women in their burqas, in the hot sun, just sitting there, just begging for something, a bite of food. Yet they still pray five times a day. Just saying. We are in a place as a nation of a reckoning. And we have to go through this. It's just way too much of this ups and downs of people just not turning first to God. I find this to be a glorious time right now. I really do. I worked today all day in in the garden and rebuilt two beds, got a bunch of plants planted. And it was a process that I was going through and as I closed the day out. There was I have one long bed that I was working on. That last year when I was digging it, it's a raised bed and we terraced the side of the hill. And it's I don't know, like 50, 50 feet or so of a bed. Maybe that's a little long. Maybe it's like 30 feet of a bed. And it's cut into the side of a hill. It's nice. And last year when I did it, it was, it, the work was tough. I mean, literally, it, it took me a couple of days to get the earth worked in and get it right to where it was even plantable. Because that had been kind of the backside of the hill had been where over the years so much of the leaves and the rocks and everything had been thrown off. And so today I got the hand, the tilling bar out and I went through and hand tilled it. It's called a digging fork to some clear. And what um, I found is that I was able to get through this bed very quickly. And I was just I was really just sitting there having this conversation with Jesus. And actually, it's not a digging fork. It's called a broad fork. Everyone who does gardening should have a broad fork. They're the best things ever, I will tell you. Treadlight makes a great one. T-R-E-A-D-L-I-T-E. Treadlight broad forks. Check them out. So I was having this conversation and, and literally just having this conversation with, with Jesus as I was going along. And I'm like, okay, what is this that I'm, why is it? We make life so difficult. And 
as I'm doing this, I'm just kind of going through the earth and it's becoming very clear as I'm, I'm just listening to what father has to say. I'm listening with Jesus there. We're walking through this thing. And this earth last year was just heavy with clay. And this year as I'm going through, and there was a lot of rocks in it and I'm using the, the broad fork and I'm tilling down 14 inches now where last year I could hardly get six inches. And as I do this, I'm able to literally take my hands and my gloves and just move through the soil like it's just powder. I mean, it's beautiful. It's beautiful soil, dark, rich this year. I'm pulling out what rocks are there coming right out. I can just lift them out with my hand. Last year they were encased in clay. And what clay chunks are there are just breaking away and, and working into the soil. We've got worms back in the bed. It's a beautiful bed. And it's still, I was looking at this going, man, I'm amazed that anything even grew here last year. And yet I had some of the best tomatoes out of that bed last year I've ever had. But this is what was really the eye opener for me is that we use the, we talk about gardening, but gardening is really a metaphor for our life that I don't think we look at enough. When we're building beds, it's like our life. And it's like this drudge we're in right now. We're climbing the hills. We're feeling that hard digging. We're feeling the hard soil underneath our feet because we're having to cut through years and years of programming. That's like the lawn that I took out last year. Well, the lawn was dead, but where the lawn had been for all these years. And the soil had turned out to be rock hard. These beds that are now in that soil, each one took me upwards of two days to complete doing, not using anything motorized, using all broad fork digging, digging fork digging, sifting of the ground, of the earth, adding in the compost, mixing it in, doing it again. I it took that process over and over until I could get them plantable. This year, each bed takes me about 10 minutes versus two days. And each year forward, as we steward the earth, it gets better. That's like our lives. And as we go through these places of stewarding, it means every day we're pushing in closer to Father. Our trust goes there first, not into these other things. In the life that we were living, our trust is always towards the next paycheck, the next job that gives you a little bit more pay. Our trust goes into the market, the wondering what's going to happen to your 401k. Our trust goes into the bigger house, the better car. Our trust goes into a fate built around things because the trust is that when I leave high school or I leave college, the trust is that I will have a skill and a job that if I stay with it, I'll have a good life and I will end up retiring with a lot of money or a comfortable life and hopefully a lot of toys and that's the way my life will be. And here's the craziest part is we place that trust within the context of God. Because we go through all this and we say, I had a great life. God gave me everything and I, I, I'm, my life was good and I'm, I'm wealthy and, or I'm comfortable. And I've had, I'm having a great retirement. Last time I checked, there's nowhere in scripture that says that thou shall have a wonderful life if you're dutiful to your job and save lots of money in your 401k and buy a lot of things that you don't need. Be blessed. I don't think it says anywhere in there. So when I'm out here gardening 
And I'm just thinking of the simple things. And I'm thinking, okay, well, what's really amazing is the land out there was, I'm going to call it for the sake of agriculture, I'm going to refer to it as dead. It was, it was a dead land because there was nothing that could grow there. It was too hard. But that's a lot of the way our, this country, this land is right now. It's a dead land. There's no richness in the soil of spirituality. There's no richness in the relationship with Christ. It's rising, but at the core of where we still are, it's still very much dead. So in taking the metaphor of gardening, gardening becomes a metaphor of how we have to do each thing. The garden isn't a one-off event. I'm not going to do it one season and then just walk away. The whole principle of the garden is you're going to steward it for your entire life. And if we took our nation that way, if we took our relationships with everything in that way in stewarding rather than accumulating or accelerating up the ladder, I think the first step, we'd start to see some pretty big shifts. When we take that stewardship approach to our relationship with Christ, it's not, I got saved, I'm good. And it's not like I'm going to church to get renewed. It's on a growing intimacy like our soil that as we grow, as we work this, this is the first season, first full year on this garden. We're in our second season. And what has transformed before my very eyes was unbelievable. I've never, I never envisioned this soil being that good after one year. And yet it is. And that's because I had to literally sweat and toil hard on the first end, and now I have to steward to continue it. But if I walk away from it and neglect it, it will go downhill again. None of that is around what I drive. None of that is around where I live. It's just the soil. It's the earth. It's the richness of where God is. As a nation, we're going to have to go through a period where people are confronting the violation of trust. It's the reckoning. We have to go through this. And this is why when I read things like another Q poster today saying, oh, I can't wait anons until we have everything go our way. And then we're going to have a big party and celebration. And we're going to have chance of where we go on, where we go all. And it's all going to be good. And I'm like, I don't know what planet you live on. But. That isn't going to happen anytime soon. unless And if it does, it's going to be completely fake. Our nation has to go through a very brutal awakening because we're all, we've all worked into a place where the land is dead. And it needs to be revived. And each one of us that's walking with Christ is that gardener. And here's the thing, is that like that first-time garden on that hard rock clay, this rock clay, when I bought my, my, my broad fork. It comes with two options. It's a steel, America-made steel digging fork. It's a broad, called a broad fork. You can get it with wood arms or you can get it with steel. I chose steel because I knew how hard it was. That land was so hard that at one point, I, a couple different times, I almost bent the steel pipes that are the handles when you dig it. I almost ruined a shovel that's the best made American shovel out there for a square-nosed shovel on this land. That same land that today I can go through in 10 minutes and I can broad fork it and have it ready to plant. That's the sort of hard work each one of us has to do. 
not for us, but for God, in order to create that new fertility in the soil that his word will prosper. And that means we have to work with people who have lost trust because their trust has been in institutions that are built around things and materialism and wealth and all the things that matter not to Father. It's a golden opportunity. It's a beautiful time to be alive because we can guide people from one to the other. But there is going to be this constant reset, and you're going to run into it if you haven't, of people will start down the path and they don't want to quite step over to Jesus and they're not going to quite let go to Jesus even though they'll, they might act like they will. And then it's this reset of the fatality and end of the world the way they knew it, which it is a fatality and end of the world the way they knew it because the new world that we're trying to bring usher in here that we're working with together, that we're walking with God on is truly amazing and is nothing like what they were in. And yet that's all they know. A worm is what helps soils be fertile. Worms can't grow in clay. They try. They don't prosper very well. And yet, clay is hard under the feet. It sometimes feels safe. In the dry sun, it may look barren, but at least when people put there, they're like, oh, I feel something. Because they don't know the beauty and the absolute passion it is to touch soil that has light tilth and rich with life and teeming with life when you put it in your hands. They've never experienced it. So they don't know it. So their trust that they've lost, the trust is forcing them to reflect with themselves, asking them, how come I was duped into taking this? How come people are so disgusted at me for taking an injection? How come my son or my daughter is now suffering from an ailment than when the injection was supposed to help. And the, or the burdens of things like, I don't know if I can ever forget that child that I aborted and et cetera. And now as truths are laying on them, it is becoming a absolute bucket load of pain and a bucket load of violations of their own trust as they start to look at the institutions and it's all been lies. And the only place they know is that dead soil under their feet, that dead clay. And that leads to a couple of things, anger, depression, all sorts of neat mental diseases like excessive grief. And all that can be let go if they can be shown the way to Christ. And some will be fortunate that they will just discover it because that's just the way things work. But many need the gardeners to come in and to show them how to rebuild their garden. We aren't going to build their garden for them. But we can show them. We can give them the tools. And if they choose to dig, and we can reassure them that we had to do the same. And we can show them the results of several years of growth in our garden. And we can show them what real soil feels like, that warmth and that beauty of perfect tilth. And if you can let them taste something that's grown in the garden, that beautiful flavor of natural, organic, grown backyard, whatever you've got, maybe that's enough, and hopefully it's enough, to inspire them 
to want to do that in their, in their life the same. But they're standing on clay. And it's going to be some hard, hard digging. But once they break through there and they spend the hours to do it and the sweat and they work through all the things that that requires because whenever you're digging in hard clay, you're ultimately going through all sorts of maturations from, boy, this is cool to cursing up a storm. When you're through with that process and you finally are able to plant your first seeds and you're able to see a little bit of growth and hope, it only gets better from there on out. We have a big job to do. And our nation needs a lot of help. We've got to tend to the land. And in tending to the land, we're tending to the people. We have to be good gardeners. We've got to be master gardeners. And if we do that, it'll be some years. Maybe it'll be 10. But every single one of us can know this. That as we see that new glory of God's garden growing up, the love of Christ starting to grow in all things. If we've tended to our own soils and we've tended to help others to guide them to tend to their own, that's a pretty amazing thing to say at the end of our life, an accomplishment that has no value other than to know that we have truly done all we can to restore the kingdom and occupy the land and expand the kingdom to greater depths than ever before. I'd say that's a pretty good mission. Let's pray. Father, hear our prayers tonight. Jesus, join us. Just sit with us and listen, if you would. We're all feeling this. I'd say everybody now, Jesus, is just feeling the weight of this time. It's, there's, a, there's a fatigue that's settled in. There's frustrations at points. Maybe even a bit of apathy. And in the process, we're, it's easy for us to trip and to fall off that perfect path, which none of us are perfect, and we, we always stumble. And so I just say these words and hope that they resonate with a lot of people tonight. Jesus, just help us tend to our gardens to remind us just of the beauty of what that soil is that you helped us grow. Just to remind us of the beauty of the things that are in that garden that you've led us to. And then, Jesus, let us take the fruits of that garden and do what we do so well. Let us share those fruits with our neighbors. Let us share that bounty with a stranger. And let us just show them what an amazing bounty it can be if we just trust in you. And we don't necessarily even know what to say sometimes. But we know you do. And we don't even know sometimes what to harvest in the garden to share, but we know you do. So Jesus, just help us tend to that garden in a great way. Help us find the perfect fruit 
to share with the person. Help us find that perfect basket of greens that they can touch and just say, wow, how did you do that? And we can say, it begins by digging hard to break the earth, to reset things, to bring back the glory of God, to let the life and glory of God glow within your life. I'm ready to walk with you on that one, Jesus. I think others are too. Thank you. Thank you for all that you have done and give and have sacrificed. Thank you. Just guide us in these days because there's really nothing we want more than to see the gardens grow. Because there in those gardens is where Father is and it's where we walk with you. And we say these things in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Gardens are obviously practical, but it's nice to remember how deep and spiritual they are. We're retaking the land for Father. And that means that everything that we touch and we work and that stewardship that we give it, it's for Father. I think that's what struck me the most today is there was so little life and yet so much grew last year. And this year there's so much life and it's just one year in. Can you imagine a nation that really took it seriously to tend to both their physical and spiritual gardens and what the world would become? It's worth a prayer. It's worth sharing the thoughts with Father. And it's worth asking Jesus to walk with you on this one because that mission, man, I'll tell you, that's like one of those that reminds me of we shall do greater works than he. And I think he would smile the entire way. Have a blessed night, patriots. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee, 1 p.m. Pacific. Until then or until the next time, God bless, good night, thank you, and out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose, reaching out for something. Pull us up to the level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now Hey
got found Reaching through somehow Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud When the seasons change I know the space between us will stay the same Resting on this faith When your soul answers calls far away Thank you. 